Morning, Centerpoint Church. How are we doing? Come on. My name is Chris Finch, and I serve as the executive pastor here, and we're so glad that you're here. Last week, we started a brand new series called People of the Fine Print, and if you were here last week, uh, you, you heard me explain how our goal over the series is to look at some of the people in the Bible that you've maybe heard very little, if at all, about. Uh, maybe you've heard a little bit about them, and you've heard a little about their story. Uh, and I know last week after we after service, people came up to me and like, man, I never heard of that. And so we're, we're thankful that you're here, and we're thankful that you're diving in with us. Last week, uh, the person that we talked about, we talked about a guy, he was a prophet, and uh, his name was Hosea. And uh, we talked about Hosea, and the other kind of main character in the story uh, was his wife, Gomer. And so we talked about Hosea and Gomer and their relationship. And if you were here last week, you, you, you heard of how uh, Hosea, the prophet, married Gomer, this lady who would become a prostitute and be unfaithful to him. And the story was how he pursued her, even in her unfaithfulness. And it was a picture of how God is crazy about us. He loves us and pursues us. Well, today... The story's a lot more kid-friendly than it was last week. Uh, we're going to be talking about a guy uh, by the name of Josiah. And, and Josiah was actually a kid when he kind of comes on the scene uh, in, in the text that we're going to study. And so what I want you to do is I want you to try to remember, and for some of you it'll be harder than others, but try to remember what was life like when you were in second or third grade. Some of your wives are like, oh, he acts like he's still in second or third grade sometimes. But just try to remember back. About, you were about eight or nine years old, uh, unless you were like this like Doogie Hauser kid, which you'd have to be old to even know who that is. Maybe you were like four when you were in second or third grade if you're one of the smart kids. But for most of us, we were about eight or nine years old. And one of the things that we were asked kind of frequently when you're a little kid, and you can remember this is you're asked, hey, buddy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when you're a little kid, man, the sky is the limit. And so, man, you have all these different things. And if you were like me, you kind of went in phases. For me, every baseball season, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. Uh, there was obviously, everybody has like an astronaut phase where they watch a show. Oh, I want to be an astronaut. And uh, for me, there was a season when I thought, man, it would be so cool to just go live on the beach. And my mom, you know, you got to work to do that, buddy. But, but in my mind, hey, I'll just serve and be on the beach, and that'll be my life when I grow up. Uh, I had a phase that uh, I wanted to be a police officer. And so that was something I, that I looked into even as a little kid. And then every now and then, just to kind of manipulate my parents, I would tell them I want to be a missionary or a pastor. And usually I would tell them that right around bedtime, like, I feel like God's calling me. And, okay, baby, come on out of bed. Let's talk. And it would, it would be kind of a thing to allow me to stay up. And now look what I'm doing now. Uh, so, but, but you can remember. And maybe you have little kids. You, you have kids at home. You're an aunt. You're an uncle. You're a grandparent. And so it's even fun. I have a four-year-old uh, to, to look at those kids even now and just say, hey, what do you want to be? My, my four-year-old, if you were to go over to the, to the kids' building right now and you were to say, hey, Kate, what do you want to be when you grow up? She would tell you she wants to be a ballerina. And as a little kid, and if you have kids, you, you know this, they, they not only tell you what they want to be, but sometimes they even dress up. 
And so you, you had ballerina costume, a fireman costume. And so, I mean, it, it's fun to talk about that when you're a little kid. And it's fun to look in their eyes and hear their excitement when they have no clue what it means to be what they're saying they want to be. But, man, they're excited because they've seen somebody else do that. Well, the guy we're going to talk about today is, when he comes on the scene, is eight years old. So he's second, third grade, and, and he has a job that's given to him as an eight-year-old that you probably wouldn't wish on any eight-year-old, and it's basically this. He was anointed king of his country as an eight-year-old. So imagine us walking over to the second, third grade classroom right now and choosing our president of the United States. Some of you would be happy about that, but we won't get into all that. Uh, some of you, never mind, I keep going. You're not supposed to talk about that in church. Uh, but, but imagine that. Imagine you, you walk over and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not picking his nose and I guess he's qualified. All right. Hey, buddy, you're going to be the guy and you're in charge of our whole country. Well, well, that's what happens to Josiah. He's eight years old. And he is anointed, not like you get to be king when you're older. No, buddy, you're eight years old, and here's, here's the stuff. You're the guy. And so if you think about it, this dude, he had the deck was already stacked against him because he was so young. And the examples that he had to follow, his grandfather and his father were miserable. In fact, let me read a couple verses to you that tell you what an incredible example he had to follow. His grandfather's name was Manasseh, and here's what it says about him. In just one verse, it tells you a little bit about the great man Manasseh was. It says this, he sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. Hey, Josiah, follow grandpa's lead. Like when he's asleep, nothing else he does is worth following. He kills his kids. He works with Satan. He does everything that makes God angry. Follow his example. That, that's, that's the grandpa. So maybe daddy was better. You know what, grandpa, he was, you know, not, not the guy, but maybe daddy was a better example for Josiah. And so daddy's name was Amon, and here's what the Bible says about him. It says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. So not only, I mean, he wasn't even a good leader. I mean, he followed his d dad and did all this stuff. I mean, he didn't even set his own path of evil. He just did all the evil stuff that Manasseh, his dad, had done. And so Josiah is destined to be a statistic. He's destined to spend countless hours in a counselor's office. He's destined to be a train wreck and had every excuse, if anybody had an excuse. I mean, he had was eight years old come on and all the boy wanted to do is maybe can a boy just finish his video game can I eat my cereal and he's king and then the people that he had watched be king before him they were trained they were a mess I mean there wasn't even like hey you can follow like 10% of what grandpa did no terrible 
And so now this eight-year-old kid who's destined to be a train wreck, who, and honestly, if he was, nobody would fault him. He's eight. He decides to do something much different, even as an eight-year-old, with the obstacles that he was facing as a young man with kind of having to follow in the footsteps of some really bad leaders who happened to be related to him, he chose a different path for himself and for the kingdom. And if you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 34, it'll be up on the screen, it's there in the app, and look with me at the first few verses, you see this eight-year-old and the decision he made that changed his and the kingdom's destiny. It says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his ancestor, of his father, not his father, but his ancestor David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, so about the time he's about 16 years old, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, and idols. You'll notice in this very first phrase, right after it tells us that, that Josiah was eight years old when he became king, it, it says, it talks about in verse 3 of how this young man who is now 16 years old, it says this, he began to seek the God of his father David. See, Josiah's life and leadership was an example of the statement, and, and this is really the statement I want you to think about today, is impact begins with a heart that pursues God. And as a very young man who had no good examples to follow, had every excuse in the world to do his own thing, he decided as a young man to pursue with all his heart God. This God that he would have to seek, he would have to investigate, he didn't know a lot about. It's not like daddy sat down with him and did Bible studies with him. He had to, as a young man, go seek out and learn more about this God, this God of his ancestor, David. And see, Josiah, as a young man, he had to, you know, go out and, and begin to talk to God. Man, he never probably done that. He, he had to go find out. Hey, who is this God? What, is it, what, what makes this God happy? What does this God stand for? What, what, what do people in my kind of ancestors, David, what did he say about this God that my dad and grandfather didn't want anything to do with? And so this young man at the age of eight becomes king and at the age of 16 makes a decision that will change the face of his life and his kingdom. And here's what I wrote in my notes as, as I thought about Josiah and I thought about us. Your pursuits will dictate your impact and define your legacy. If you look back on somebody's life and what you remember about them, it has a lot to do with what they pursued the most. If you have a dad that... that pursues a job and pursues money and that's kind of the main thing that you, you know what that's when you think about your dad that's probably what you think about if you have somebody in your life that all they do is pursue other people's opinions and approval 
you watch them do that day after day after day. When you think of them, you're frustrated for them because that's what defines them in your mind. And Josiah, as a young man, he decided, you know what? My, my father and my grandfather, they followed this path of doing their own thing and following after the false gods. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I've seen what that leads to. And from a young age, he says, I am going to pursue, aggressively pursue God. I'm going to seek after God. And I'm going to see what happens. And so he begins to seek after God. And what happens, as always happens, when we pursue things, it leads us to do things. When we pursue, it automatically, there's some actions that follow. When our pursuit changes... Our actions change. And so that's what happens in, in, as we read through this. You see this young man begin to pursue God. And then now about 20 years old, he begins to start acting on that pursuit. He says this at the end of uh, verse 3. The first thing he does is, you see this young man now 20, remove the idols from the land. So this is not a small undertaking. We just kind of read, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Josiah kind of removed the false gods. That's kind of a good idea. But, but here's what we don't understand is kings before him, like they were all for false gods. So they, they were trying to, they wanted to be happy. They wanted to be popular. So, hey, oh, you worship this God? Oh, you want to build a little idol? Go ahead. You do your thing. Uh, and you got another God you want to worship. And oh, there's a wife that I'm trying to uh, marry and she kind of worships this God and from another country. All right, you build a little idol about that. And so all, literally all through this country, are false gods, idols. And so Josiah, as a young man, he begins to pursue the one true God. He begins to pursue the God of David. And it automatically, without even having to really think hard about it, it's just like, hey, I'm pursuing this God, and it's leading me to do something. And it just doesn't make sense to have all these other things we worship if this is the true God. One of the things that you'll, you'll find is when we pursue things, and when we begin to pursue things with all of our heart, it clarifies things and helps us remove distractions almost without trying. For instance, some of you at the beginning of January, you, you said, hey, this year I'm going to really focus on my health, and I'm going to watch what I eat. I'm going to try to lose some weight. Maybe you set some personal goals. And, and man, we're into February, and you say, man, it's been going pretty well. I've been, I had a good January. Things are moving ahead. Well, for you, because your pursuit was on a specific goal, it's not hard for you to not, like, go to Dunkin' Donuts five times a week. Like, you're not like, oh, should I go today? No, it's just, no, I'm pursuing this. I'm really working hard at this. So, honestly, it's not even, I'm not even tempted to go. Maybe, like, day one or day two you were, but you're just like, no, I'm pursuing this with all my heart. And so, it's just automatic that I'm going to remove things that stop me from pursuing that, Right? Well, that's what happened with Josiah. He, he starts to pursue God with all of his heart. And, and it's just like, why would I allow all these other false gods that vie for my worship when I'm pursuing God? It just makes sense. We've got to get these things out of here. But here's where the kind of, kind of problem comes and the tension comes for most of us. Is if we're honest, most of us try to play both sides. I mean, there's very few people, 
even if you're not a follower of Christ, very few people would say, you know what, I never pursue God at all. I don't want God in my life at all. Like, most people think, yeah, I probably need to have a little God in my life. Maybe that's why you're here today. You're like, you know what, kind of... I think you're supposed to go to church once in a while, so I'm going to go to church. I think you're supposed to have some God in your life. And so we kind of got our foot in the, that side, and we're, all right, we're going to pursue God a little bit because that's kind of a good thing to do. But you know what? There's some other things in my life that, that I, I'd really like to pursue those, and they really don't line up with this side. But you know what? I feel like I could straddle both sides of the fence and, and pursue this and also pursue this. And that just honestly doesn't work out. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, whether you're new to faith, whether you're investigating faith, all of us know this, a divided heart is not a healthy heart. James says it this way, the brother of Jesus, he says this, he says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I just described to you some of your hearts, because you feel it, you feel that tension. Like you, you wake up on a regular basis worried about stuff, unstable about stuff, and you wonder, why is it like this? Well, it might be that, you know what? I got one foot over here, and I'm going to pursue this when this is convenient. But, I, man, you know what? I got this over here and trying to kind of keep up with this and pursue this, and it's just not healthy. It's a divided heart. It's not healthy. And James, the brother of Jesus, says, Those type of people, which we all are those type of people, are unstable, not in some of their ways, but in all of their ways. Unstable. And Josiah, as he had examples to follow, he followed examples that, you know what, they would kind of toy with God, but they would kind of do their own thing. And he saw the, the duplicity in that. He saw the unstableness. He saw the destruction, and he said, no. I'm pursuing God with all my heart, and because I'm pursuing God, I am going to remove distractions that would also vie for my worship. And it just made sense to him, even as a young man. But then we see, not only did this guy make a bold kind of action as a young man to, to kind of tear down all these idols and make people mad, but then you also see him do something else. After he's kind of in the middle of getting rid of these idols and that's kind of, it's starting to happen and that, that's mostly done, he says, you know what, another way that we're going to kind of purify our country and, and refocus it on what God wants is we need to rebuild the temple. Like the temple's destroyed, it's a mess, and so I'm going to get some people together, we're going to put some resources behind it and we're going to rebuild the temple. And so Josiah, he, he begins to rebuild the temple. And while he's rebuilding the temple, while the guys are rebuilding the temple, in the middle of their kind of rubble and the things that they're putting back together, they find portions of Scripture from the Old Testament. Most likely what they found is they found Deuteronomy, or maybe they found Genesis through Deuteronomy. They found some of those Old Testament books. And so they come to Josiah and they say, hey, man, while we're working on the temple, while we're kind of putting this thing back together, Man, we found some, some of the scriptures. And, and here's what we, we see. Because Josiah was pursuing God, not only did he want to take these idols down, that just made sense. Why would you have things in your life that would pull you away from God? But the second thing we see is he embraced the word of God. I mean, they, they brought him this, and I mean, he could have been like, you know what, I really don't have time for this. But here's what Josiah, he said, hey, come here, bring those to me. 
He said, read those to me. Like, take some time. And if you've ever read through Deuteronomy or Genesis through Deuteronomy, I mean, there's some Abraham and some ark and some animals two by two and some fun stuff. But there's some law and some boring stuff in there, too. And it's like, the boy's like, hey, just read it. And, and the way he reacted as they read it, this is what happened. As, as they're reading, they're probably like, what did we say? But here's what happens as he's listening to them read. It says this in verse 19. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. And, and back in this time, when you would tear your clothes, it was because you were in mourning or because you were broken. And what had happened is as they were reading these portions of Scripture, Josiah understood even more clear how unfaithful his ancestors had been and that hurt him. And he knew because of their unfaithfulness, there would be consequences. Instead of just, hey, you know, just read that and, and it not making a big deal about it. It's like when he heard this, he took this so seriously to the point where he, he gathers some other spiritual people together and he says, hey, you guys go talk to God and find out what we're supposed to do. Because, man, I, I see how awful my ancestors have been. I know what, that, what because of what they did, what our nation deserves. Go talk to God and find out more about it. And so they do. They go inquire of, of God and, and basically find out that, Josiah, you're right. There is consequences that are going to come, but because of your, your humility, because of how serious you take the words of God, you will not be alive to see it happen. You, you will go, and it'll, it'll happen after your life. And see, Josiah, with, as a young man, and again, nobody, nobody sat him down with like a little Bible story, nursery rhyme book when he was a little kid. Like, all right, let's read right before bed, buddy. Let's read our story. No, this wasn't a guy that, that had somebody teach him. He just understood that when you pursue God, one of the things that you do is you remove things that would stop you from that pursuit. And then another thing, as you pursue the God of David, you take what he says really seriously. It just made sense to Josiah. And so when God's word, when he, it spoke and when it said something, he believed it. Shocker. And so you see Josiah take God's word seriously as a young man. But, but for, for some, and, and I think we've all probably been here, when we look at the word of God, sometimes we look at it like, you know what? That's a good book. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's some great principles in there. And, and, and basically, Josiah, he would argue with you. Because for Josiah, the Word of God, the scriptures weren't a book of principles with great advice. It was a book of God's words that he took seriously because his pursuit was God. And I, and I know sometimes, even in our society, we, you know what, yeah, I love God and I'm pursuing God. I just don't like his word. Wrong God. The God that you love is not the God of the scriptures. If you say you're pursuing God, but you don't listen to him, you're, you're pursuing a God that's not in the scriptures. 
It'd be like me walking up to my, my wife, uh, who would have been my girlfriend up in New York when I met her, and like, you know what, I'm pursuing you, I, I, I want to get to know you, but then every time she starts talking to me, I go, blah, 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 I don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it. Like, really? First of all, it'd be really annoying, but secondly, you're not going to have a relationship with somebody that you say you're pursuing if you don't take what they say really seriously. And, and Josiah, as a young man, as he was pursuing God with all his heart, it, it, was just, it was just what he felt like he should do to remove things that would stop him. And then the second thing was he, he thought that, man, I probably should take the words of this God I'm pursuing seriously. Because what he says affects my life. But then you see Josiah after he's, he's kind of tore the idols down and he's doing that. And he's found out a little bit about more about the Bible. And he's starting to dig into that a little bit. Then he does something else. That I, I think is a, another thing that because he was pursuing God just came natural. I don't think he had to think about this. I think it just was like this is what we're going to do. See... The thing is, he pointed other people to God. Look at verse 30. And when you're the king, you can do this. He says this, He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. This is a long meeting that he had. I mean, think about it. I guess, again, you're the king. You can do this. But he's like, hey, everybody, sit down. Uh, story time with uh, King Josiah. And by the way, we're going to read Genesis through Deuteronomy. Oh, uh, yeah, you ain't lying. It, 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 was, a, it was, I mean, it, and, and it's all good, and you should read all of it, but maybe not all in one sitting to your children. And, and so, but he did, man. He, he, all right, sit down. We're going to read through this. And then it says this, the king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. One of the natural things that happened as a result of his pursuit of God was he began to point other people to God. See, and you know this, this is just, this is normal. When we're excited about something, we tell other people. When I have been helped tremendously by something, we tell other people because we want, especially people we love, because if I've benefited from something, I want my kids, my wife, my friends, I want them to benefit from the same thing. Josiah has, as a young man, I mean, he, he's not old enough to not take this stuff seriously. Like, he, he's taking this stuff seriously. It's changing his life. He's pursued, now pursued God for over a decade. He's taking God's word seriously. He's watching God transform his country, and he wants other people to know the same God. See, Josiah understood this. Influence is a stewardship. See, influence, it's not scheduled, it's not planned. You, you don't sit down with your calendar and say, you know what? Monday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to make an appointment to influence somebody. I mean, maybe you can, maybe you'll, you'll have some influential time with somebody, but, but that's, you know how that doesn't really, not how it works. 
Influence happens when it's not planned, when we weren't, it wasn't on the schedule. And what happens is we influence people based on what we're pursuing. What we're pursuing comes out big in how we influence people. It's not planned for, it just happens. How I am, what I pursue, influences how I influence my family, whether I like it or not. If you're a husband, the way you influence your wife many times is based on what you're pursuing with your life. It just comes out. If you have influence, if you're a teacher, if you mentor people, if, you're, if you spend time with people at all, you are influencing people and that one of the biggest things that's helping you influence people or really is at the foundation is what you're pursuing. There are certain people, and you know this if you're a parent, you don't want your kid to hang out with because you know how they'll be influenced because you know what the kid they're wanting to hang out with is pursuing. And so you're like, no, you ain't, you ain't going over to their house. I don't care if I'm the worst parent ever. Big deal. Because you know that kid they're, they're wanting to be friends with is pursuing things that will destroy them. And you know if your kid is with them, it won't even have to be planned, but they will be influenced by it. And so Josiah, as a young man, he is beginning to pursue God with all of his heart. He's about a decade into this thing, and now he is beginning to point other people, not a few, like his whole country, to this God that he has seen transform his own life. But then kind of the last thing we really have time for as we continue on through this journey of this young king is once they kind of get the temple built... And he's kind of sat down and had story time with King Josiah. He gathers his leaders and he says, you know what? We're going to have a Passover again. A Passover was a, a religious tradition. And the, the focus of it was remembering how God had delivered them. And it, it was something they were supposed to do on a regular basis. And he said, we're going to have Passover again. We're going to remember how God has delivered us. Because if we remember, it, it breeds thankfulness. It will change us if we remember. And so he did. So they, they had Passover. And, and, and you see that because of how Josiah pursued God, Josiah led the way in generosity in this Passover Listen to verse 7 of, of, of this passage. As, as you hear about Josiah's generosity, it says this, Josiah provided for all the lay people who were there a total of 30,000 lambs and goats for the Passover offerings, and also 3,000 cattle, all from the king's own possessions. This was fairly normal for a king when you do Passover to provide some of the sacrifices. Josiah provided four to five times what most kings would do. Josiah was a very generous man, and he was a young man. Nobody had taught him to be generous, but because he pursued God, it was natural for him to just be extremely generous. And what happened is the leaders that followed him, if you were to continue to read, they became generous too. They followed his lead. And, and so this young man who at the age of eight, becomes king and has every right to go off the deep end, to be a train wreck, to be selfish, to do his own thing. Nobody could tell him what to do. Basically, no consequences. You're in charge. And he chooses to pursue God. 
And that pursuit, the decision he made as a 16-year-old boy, radically affected everything he did. And it affected literally the destiny of the whole country. And so as we, as we close, I, I want to ask you a question. We, we said this statement early on that impact begins with a heart that pursues God. So here's my question. Because we, we can sit here and say, you know what? If we were to say, hey, what do, what do you pursue most? I mean, we're all going to, oh, you know, God, yeah, he's kind of. But what if we went to your best friend? What if we went to your son? What if you went to your daughter? What if you went and had an appointment with uh, Austin Fincham, who's 16 years old? What if you sat down with my daughter, Julia? What if you sat down with my wife and said, hey, what does Chris really pursue? What, what would they say? What would you say? For most of us, there's probably seasons that we're like, man, I'm all pursue, I'm pursuing God. But, but many times we're at least tempted to, you know what, I, I know I want to pursue God, but you know what, there's a couple things over here I just want to keep my foot in. And, and it's really not real, real bad stuff, but it's just basically I don't trust God enough in these areas, so I'm going to kind of pursue my own angle in this area, and I'll pursue God over here. And our lives are, we're unstable in all our ways, as James said. And so as, as we close this, this morning, if you're a dad, I want to encourage you to make your greatest pursuit God. Not a great living, not security for your family, but God. If you're a mom, I want to encourage you to make your greatest pursuit God, not perfect kids. If you're a single person, I want to encourage you to follow the example of Josiah and make your greatest pursuit God, not a future spouse, not your future. Just make your greatest pursuit God. If you're a student, would you make your greatest pursuit God, not other people's approval, not other people's opinions? Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But if we're honest, that's hard to do. Think about Josiah. Eight years old. The weight of the country is on him. And as a young man, he says, I'm pursuing a God I don't even know yet. But I'm going to pursue him with my life. And because of his pursuit, it led him to specific actions that led to specific fruit in his country and in his life. And that's exactly what will happen with us. Whatever we pursue is going to lead us to specific actions that will then lead us to specific outcomes. It, it happens every time. We're not the exception. And so my challenge as we close is pursue God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the incredible testimony of a young man who at the age of eight years old is given the authority of his whole country, and yet as an eight-year-old without any examples, 
decides to pursue you. Lord, I pray for the dad, the mom, the single person, the student, the grandma, the grandpa that's here, that, that Lord, if we're honest, we all struggle with kind of having our, our feet on both sides of the fence. Lord, I pray that we would trust you enough to pursue you and know that it's a daily decision. It's not a one-time-in-our-life decision, but it's a daily decision to say, Lord, today my greatest pursuit is going to be you, not my comfort, not what people think, but you. And Lord, as we pursue you and you bring us to points of decision, I pray that we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen.